Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Back to 1 Samuel. Uh, back to 1 Samuel tonight. Now, um, uh, tonight is a, it's an occasion for encouragement. Uh, you might have been, Marilyn, you might have been a little bit discouraged uh, at the end of uh, last Wednesday night's message, in a sense at least, in a sense. We saw, uh, we were reminded of Eli's failure to prevent his sons from continuing uh, in really egregious, terrible sin, evidently right there at the tabernacle at Shiloh. Their sin was terrible. It, it, it was terrible on its own, but you recall it, it was also terrible but it, because it discouraged the people in the land from wanting to stay faithful to the Lord in their sacrifices. Uh, it was terrible because it led other people into sin. It was terrible on its face, but it was terrible in a practical sense also. And you remember the Lord sent that man of God. We don't know who he is. He's, he's a prophet sent by the Lord. Uh, maybe we'll meet him in heaven, Marilyn. We'll be, we'll, he'll say, hey, I'm, the, I'm that man. <laughs> I'm that man in 2 Samuel. Uh, he came and, and he gave God's pronouncement, uh, prophecy of judgment upon Eli and his family. And uh, he's heard that. And um, it's, it's, it's upsetting. I mean, it's the, the, the correction, the, the judgment, the chastisement that would fall upon the family. Ultimately, it would involve their death and a curse that would pass upon the family down, down through the ages. Now, <laughs> Brother Ray, I, that, that could be discouraging. That could be discouraging. But tonight, we can be encouraged that God still has his man, right? Uh, we're seeing that God has not only called Samuel, he'll, he'll literally call out to him tonight three times in the night. You remember this passage. Uh, God, God will graciously call out to Samuel uh, and, and, and call Samuel graciously into a relationship with himself uh, and, and begin to engage with and grow and encourage Samuel for the prophecy, for the ministry, forgive me, for the ministry that God has called him to. Uh, there, there was a man and two sons who, who really let the Lord down in a big way. That was a problem. That, you could be discouraged by that. But here, God has his man. God, God will call uh, people into the place of service that others mishandle. And I'm encouraged by that tonight. You know, you can think, I'm sure, about pastors, not, not here in this church, but pastors and uh, ministry leaders that you've heard about over the years that were unfaithful to the Lord and, and how their unfaithfulness, their sin, it maybe discouraged the church for the time. It caused a lot of problems for, for the people. And I don't necessarily want to take us back to, you know, those, those kind of bad memories tonight. But aren't you glad that for the most case, for the most part, when you think about those situations, uh, as, as much as one man's sin did harm and, and maybe discourage people for the time, for a time, the Lord would raise up another man and, and bring him into that place uh, and encourage the people and bring new life into that ministry. Uh, and, and that ministry would go on very often stronger than it was uh, before the sin that, that discouraged the people and harmed them for a time. Lord grows us through trials, right, Marilyn? Uh, we may be weaker physically, but hopefully we're growing stronger spiritually because of the trials. And uh, tonight we can be encouraged that in the face of all the negativity with Eli and his sons, and, uh, and we'll see here tonight, the Lord will uh, pass along, the, he'll reiterate that judgment again, but, 
But God is calling and, and raising up Samuel uh, to serve in that place. And, you know, right, right here at least, he, he's being faithful. And so, so it's encouraging tonight to see this. Let's, let's jump in here. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, in verse 1. Here the Bible says, and the child, he's still young, we don't know how old, uh, but he's, he's young. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. So Eli's kind of this priest slash judge at the tabernacle, which is at Shiloh uh, at this time. Then you have this, this next sentence here, the end of uh, verse 1. It's, it's interesting, it's concerning. It says, and the word of the Lord was what? Precious. Well, that doesn't sound so bad in those days. And then it says there was no uh, open vision. Stop and think about that word precious for a minute. Good evening, brother. I'm glad to see you tonight. Uh, something is precious or, or valuable often because it's what? What makes, a, what makes a diamond precious and valuable? Is it that they're just everywhere? You know, you go, out, you go outside in the spring and there's diamonds coming out on the trees, right? You just, you just pick them off the tree. No, it's because they're rare, right? They're, they're precious and valuable uh, because they're rare. They're, they're hard to get at. They're hard to find. There's not a lot of them. And this seemed to be the, the way, the sense in which the word is being used here. Uh, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. It was scarce. God was not, uh, God was not coming and, and, and leading the people in a very active way. Yes, he had given his, his words, and, and, and some had been written down. We know we, we would have had some inscripturated words of God at this point, but uh, the Lord was not happy with what had been going on right there at the tabernacle. There's some suggestion that uh, perhaps he's even withdrawn from the tabernacle. If you look at the last verse of the chapter, go there real fast to look there. The last verse of, of the chapter says, after everything of the chapter has transpired, the Bible says, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Well, if he appeared again, does that imply that maybe he had departed for a time? I think it does. Uh, I think it does. I think, I think it, it implies, and I can't say this for sure, but it implies that in response to all the sin that had been going on there at the tabernacle, Eli and his sons, that Lord had withdrawn his presence perhaps for a time. I think that's, that's at least uh, a possibility. Um, and so uh, the word of the Lord was, it was scarce. It was precious. There was no open vision. The Lord was not actively guiding his people or not blessing them with his active guidance as he had in, in earlier days. And this, this points to a consequence, I think, of the sin uh, of Eli and his sons. Um, and yet, God still has his man. Don't be discouraged, be encouraged. Uh, God is going to call forth his man, Samuel, uh, and it looks like the presence of God is... is Lord will call out to Samuel and call him, and the presence of God will be restored uh, to Shiloh uh, after these uh, short events here. So uh, see verse 2. This, this verse kind of sets the stage for the scene that follows. It's nighttime uh, there at the tabernacle. It seems like Eli and Samuel sleep at or near the tabernacle. Uh, Eli is older now. His eyesight is failing. Uh, I have some sense of what that might be like. Uh, it came to pass at that time, verse 2, when Eli uh, was laid down in his place, his bed, I think, uh, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not what? His eyesight's failing him. Now, just hold that thought. Hold, hold that thought for a moment. Look at verse 3. 
And air, uh, air has the idea before, uh, has the idea before. Uh, and air, air before, or before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, uh, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. So there's a few things here, but it, everyone is, he, Eli and Samuel are, are going to sleep. It's, it's nighttime, seemed to be the idea. Uh, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. Well, we understand that the, the golden candlestick there at the tabernacle was trimmed and fueled each night. And uh, that, would, that would take them through um, part of the night, but perhaps typically not all of the night. Uh, so it's, it's the middle of the night. It's not yet morning. Uh, it's not yet morning where the, where the lamp perhaps would have gone out after the, the, all the hours of the evening. Uh, it's still the middle of the night. This seems to be the, the idea here. Samuel's laid himself down to sleep. Now, verse 4. Uh, the Lord, uh, that the Lord called Samuel. Verse 4 says that the Lord called Samuel, uh, and he answered what? Here am I. <laughs> the Lord called Samuel, and, and he answered, uh, here am I. Uh, now, Samuel, you understand, you remember, right? He assumes that this is who? He assumes it's Eli. Uh, he assumes that this is Eli calling out to him in the night. Why, by the way, why might Eli call out to him in the middle of the night? Is there something about Eli that implies that maybe he needs help during the night, Zach? He's going blind. His, his eyesight, Gary, <laughs> you understand, right? When your eyesight is really not great, you might need some help <laughs> along the way uh, at some point. Verse 2, his eyes began to wax dim. He could not see. It was probably the case that when Eli needed something during the night, he'd call out to Samuel, Samuel. And he'd say, here am I. Uh, you know, what can I do for you? He's, he's a good young man, a, able and willing to help. So I, I suspect that's why you, you see the eyesight thing uh, being uh, included in verse 2. It's an explanation for why Eli, forgive me, why Samuel uh, might have assumed this is Eli. We, we do also see here, and, and we'll see here, well, we'll see in verse 6 that Samuel, as much as he's been dedicated to service and he's there at the tabernacle, the Bible says he doesn't yet know the Lord, so he's not in a, in a personal relationship with the Lord yet. We'll see this in verse 6, and so um, he would not necessarily, Brother Art, be expecting to hear from God. We'll see that in a moment. See verse 5. Uh, he, Samuel, ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, here am I, Mr. Eli, uh, for thou callest me. Uh, and he said, uh, Mr. Eli said, I called not, lie down again. Uh, and he, Samuel, went and laid down. So he said, nope, not me, not me. Uh, so here's verse 6 again, some more explanation. Um, verse 6 says this, the Lord called yet again. Uh, it's actually verse 7 I was referring to before. Let's see verse 6 first, though. We'll take them in order. The Lord called yet again, uh, Samuel. Graciously, the Lord calls out again. Samuel had misperceived or, or misunderstood. The Lord might have said, ah, I'll call someone else. Nope, the Lord, Samuel is God's man, and the Lord will graciously continue uh, to pursue him. May I stop there for a moment and ask you this? Uh, when you first heard the gospel, the very first time that you heard it, did you get saved? The very first time that you heard the gospel, did you get saved? I didn't either. Uh, I think it was the first week that I heard the gospel I got saved. I'm thankful for that. 
But it wasn't the first time. I don't think it was the second or third time either. Uh, can you look back and say, praise God, the Lord continued to graciously pursue me. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord continued to convict me about my need for a Savior and who Christ is and, uh, and gave me faith. And all I needed to do was respond with what the Lord gave me. You can look back and say, the Lord graciously, I didn't deserve to be saved. I didn't deserve to hear the gospel more than once. I didn't deserve uh, for the Lord to continue pursuing me the way he did through preachers or a spouse or whomever it was, uh, and, and with his conviction uh, and, and faith. I didn't deserve that, but, but God is gracious. Well, God graciously continues to call out to pursue Samuel, verse 6. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. Uh, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. Well, he, he, he didn't understand, still didn't understand. <laughs> For thou didst call me. Uh, and he, he, Eli, answered, I called not, my son. What does he say? Lie down again. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Go back to bed. Um, it's verse 7, which adds a little bit more of an explanation here as to why Samuel didn't yet understand. It's because he didn't yet know the Lord. Verse 7 says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's what it says. He didn't yet know the Lord. So he's not expecting to hear from God as a prophet might have in, the, in that day. Uh, he, didn't, he just didn't understand what was happening. He says, the Bible says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. So he didn't know the Lord, and, and God's will and God's words had not yet been uh, revealed to him. So that, that would be part of the explanation. By the way, did, did Old Testament people, people living under the, the first covenant, um, did they need to be saved the way you and I need to be saved? Or were they born saved? My college roommate was Jewish. I tried to share the gospel with him. He said, I'm okay because I'm Jewish. I was born okay with God because I'm Jewish. Brother Art, I tried to share graciously. That's, I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, well, Romans 4, 3, what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was his belief and faith that allowed the righteousness of Christ to be imputed onto his account. That's what James 2.23 says. Second part of that verse says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And then he was called the friend of God. Uh, people living under the Old Testament, the first covenant, uh, they, they had to be saved. They had to exercise faith uh, in the Lord, the one who would come. Just the same way you've exercised faith in the Messiah who has come. They had to exercise faith in the one who would come. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Evidently, while he's serving there at the tabernacle, uh, he's still quite young and he does not yet know the Lord. He's not yet saved. And so he misunderstands. He, he doesn't get the situation. Well, look at verse 8. The Lord stays gracious. Has God stayed gracious to you over the years? Has he? Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace to me, Lord. Thank you for your mercy uh, and your grace. God, I mess up still. I have no excuse. Uh, and you've remained merciful and gracious toward me. Uh, well, God remained merciful and gracious toward young Samuel. Verse 8, Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he, Samuel, rose and went to Eli and said, here am I. <laughs> like, you know, Eli, I'm, here I am. I'm back again. Uh, which, which is wonderful. You know, he thinks Eli needs help, uh, for thou didst call me. Eli 
Finally, Eli. Eli knows the Lord. He's been unfaithful in terms of not restraining his sons, but he knows the Lord. Uh, verse 8, second part says, And Eli perceived that the Lord uh, had called the child. I believe God revealed that to Eli. God made it clear to Eli, hey, the, the Samuel's not crazy. He's not hearing things. Lord revealed to Eli, hey, he's hearing me. He's hearing me. And so you need, you need to explain that to him and, and prepare him to respond to me. Uh, teach him. Explain and, and, and teach him uh, to respond to me. Uh, the same way, Marilyn, I had to be taught when uh, the gospel was taught to me that, that week in summer camp, and I think it was 1977, it was August of 1977, uh, I was taught the gospel, but I also had to be taught how to respond to the gospel. Uh, I had to be taught how to respond to the gospel. Uh, Samuel needs to be taught how to respond to the Lord, and Eli says um, in verse 9, Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, uh, lie down, and it shall be, if he, if the Lord call thee again, is the idea, right? That thou shalt say, speak, Lord. Okay, Lord, I understand it's you. Speak, Lord, for thy, what? Thy servant heareth. Uh, Eli's teaching uh, Samuel that, hey, that's the Lord calling out to you, graciously pursuing you in the night, calling out to you. Uh, you're not so much my servant here at the tabernacle. You're, you're really God's servant here at the tabernacle. And um, he's calling out to you. You need to humbly acknowledge that, humbly respond to him uh, as, as his servant. The Bible says at the end of verse 9, so Samuel went and lay down in his place. He did exactly. He took the counsel. He received the counsel. And in verse 10, he, he acts upon the counsel. A wise man received counsel from godly men and, and put that into force, put it into action. Verse 10 says this, the Lord came and stood. There's um, some theories about that phrase, and stood there, but it's interesting. Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel. Samuel, it says his name twice this time. He wants to make sure, he's graciously wanting to make sure Samuel hears it. Samuel answered just exactly as Eli had counseled him to. So he's receiving this wonderful counsel from Eli and putting it into force. By the way, sometimes there's a temptation to hear counsel, right? Or, or to hear biblical instruction uh, and to receive it. You know, you, you do okay to hear it, to receive it, uh, no problem. But when it comes time to do it, that's where it becomes more challenging, right? We all understand that. Uh, Lord, give us, give us a heart to not just, yes, to receive your words, uh, but not just that, but to do them when it's, when it's time to do them. Give us a heart to do that and give us grace to do that. God understands the difficulty of that, and that's why he gives us grace to do that. Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel answered, second part of verse 10, speak for thy servant, what? Heareth, I, I hear you, I hear you, Lord. Uh, speak, I, I, I'm ready to uh, receive it. Well, the Lord has revealed himself to Samuel, and the Lord is now going to really begin treating Samuel as a prophet. Um, he's going to share the prophecy that the man of God, whoever that was, 
had already delivered to Eli. God is going to reiterate this to Samuel, and, and Samuel is going to reiterate it to Eli. It would seem to be here that, that God just immediately, that the minute that, that Samuel acknowledges him, God is going to put him into a, a, the place of service that God wants him to be in uh, right away. Um, by the way, when, when people get saved today, uh, saved, baptized, they, they have a church, they have a spiritual gift and, and a place to serve, they're ready to go. They, they, you, know, you wouldn't put them in the perhaps a place that requires spiritual maturity, but just as Samuel's ready to go as soon as he's acknowledged the Lord, God, he's, he's presented himself, made himself available, yielded himself to the Lord, calling himself a servant. The minute he's acknowledged the Lord and, and yielded himself, calling himself a servant, the Lord says, okay, here's, here's a job for you. I've got a mission for you, Mr. Samuel, now my prophet. Uh, same is true today, someone gets saved, they get baptized, they have a place to serve, they have a God to serve. We should encourage people to start serving the Lord right away and to keep on serving the Lord. Let the Lord open bigger and bigger doors as people grow and show themselves faithful, but we ought not to discourage people from getting busy serving the Lord the minute they're saved, baptized, and, and have a place to serve. Um, so here in verse 11, the Bible says, the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel. I'm getting ready to tell you what that thing is. Uh, at which both the ears, uh, both the ears of everyone that heareth, uh, it shall tingle. <laughs> that's, that's unusual language, right? Uh, did your ears ever tingle? Uh, the idea would seem to be that um, God is, is going to say something uh, and he's going to do something uh, that would, would astonish and shock and you know, may, maybe horrify or, or terrify people. Uh, did you ever, you ever get really embarrassed or upset about something and, and you know your face is turning red or your ears are turning red or the ears start to burn a little bit? You know what I mean? Your ears start to burn a little bit because you're really embarrassed or maybe you're upset. You're, you're, you start to feel like your ears are just burning off. I think that's the idea here. Um, I think that's the idea. God, God is kind of paving the trail here. Uh, for him, he's preparing Samuel graciously that what he's about to say is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for him to hear and pass along. And it's certainly not going to be easy for uh, the people described to experience this. So the Lord's preparing him graciously to receive the message that, that he will then pass on. Uh, by the way, this is a very quick aside. The same language, um, ears um, tingling, shows up in two other places and in both places in both of the other places where it shows up it shows up in the context of God giving prophecy about chastening his people this language that the Holy Spirit uses um, in the con exclusively in the context of people responding to hearing of or experiencing the chastisement of God. The first place, we won't look at it, but 2 Kings 21.12, if you want to make a note, look at that later. Uh, 2 Kings 21.12 and then Jeremiah 19.3. Both deal with prophecies uh, regarding you know, significant chastening of the people for their continuing in sin, their refusal to repent. And God uses the same language, ears, ears shall tingle, ears shall tingle. It's the same idea. It's, it's, picturing, it's picturing how hard it would be to hear this and certainly... Uh, to experience it. Let's continue on. The Lord, uh, in verse 12, he, he tells Samuel, um, hey, what I'm, what I'm going to, what I told Eli, I'm going to do. 
And when I start doing it, I'm going to keep doing it until it's done. If God says he's going to do something, Brother Gary, he will do it. And when he starts doing it, he'll keep doing it until it's done. Amen? You count on that. God, God's faithful. He's able to be faithful, and he is faithful. Whatever he says he's going to do, he, start, he does it. He starts doing it, and he keeps on doing it uh, until it's done. Is there any application of that principle that would be encouraging to you tonight? Uh, any, anything that would be encouraging? I know it's, in this context, it's, it's going to be used in regarding judgment, but has God started doing anything in your life that you are counting on him to continue doing until it's done? Zach, you got anything? How about your salvation? Yeah, that's that's first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, you know, the Lord has said that because uh, I've repented and placed the faith that he gave me back upon Christ and the cross, that he'd give me eternal life. So he started that in my life, and I'm, I'm trusting him that he did start that eternal life in, in my life, and that he'll continue it eternally. That's faith, right? I, the only way I could go forward believing that and trusting this faith that God gave me uh, to believe that. So that'll be a positive application of this idea. Uh, God's also going to judge those that refuse eternal life. Um, people will be uh, cast into hell as a consequence of their sin. Uh, they'll be resurrected and judged and, and, and cast in a lake of fire as a consequence for their sin. Uh, and they will remain there suffering eternal punishment throughout all of eternity. I mean, that's, that's not fun to think about for sure. But, but just the same as God will continue eternal life for us, he will continue permanent, a permanent state of punishment for those who, who reject him. We do well to consider both, both of those truths. Well, in verse 13, the Lord explains. He, he goes on and starts to explain. He's, he's prepared Eli, uh, forgive me, Samuel, for the prophecy regarding Eli. And he says, Eli will be judged for his failure to restrain, restrain his sons. Verse 13 says this. He says, for I have told him, God speaking to Samuel, for I have told him, Eli, that I will judge his house for every, forever, forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile before God. The, the word has the idea of despicable. They, they acted in a way that was vile, disgusting, despicable before God. That's sin. That's how sin uh, is viewed in God's eyes. It's vile, it's despicable, it's disgusting, it's abominable. Um, and he restrained them not. Eli did nothing really about it. He gave them kind of, he sat them down and gave them kind of a talking to. We saw that, but that was it. That's all he did, and, and he's going to suffer. Uh, he's going to suffer consequences. He's going to suffer uh, the judgment of God. Well, in verse 14, um, the Lord adds in some more details. Now, Eli is a priest involved in the sacrifices at the tabernacle. And Samuel and or Eli might have thought, well, there must be some sacrifice that we can do to make this right with God. There must be some sacrifice that we can do to make this right with God. Well, God says, no, nah. Verse 14, the Lord continues, and therefore I have sworn, God says, unto the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged. This sin will not be removed, it'll, it'll not be atoned, it'll not be covered uh, with sacrifice nor offering forever. There's no sacrifice that Eli could make by himself for his sins or for his son's sins. There's no sacrifice that he could perform that would make them right with God. 
Um, there, what's that point to, Zach? It points to the need for a greater sacrifice to be made right with God, right? It points right straight to the sacrifice of Christ, right? Eli is not Christ. As a priest, he pictures Christ. Uh, as a priest who performs sacrifices, the sacrifices picture Christ. But neither the Old Testament priest nor the sacrifices that they performed had the, had the true New Covenant, New Testament power to cover and remove and forgive sins. They were just a picture of that thing, right? All, all they could do is picture those truths. And uh, it was belief and faith that was still required uh, for, for salvation in the Old Testament. First uh, John 1 and uh, chapter 7 says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Acts 13 and verse 39 says, By him, Christ, all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. The Old Testament law had no power to cover, uh, to remove, to forgive sin. All it could do was reveal sin and reveal the way of salvation, pointed to Christ. Eli, there's nothing that he was going to do to earn forgiveness. There's no works-based salvation model in the Old Testament any more than there is in the New Testament. There's no works-based salvation under the Old Covenant, just as there's no works-based salvation under the New Covenant. And we've seen a couple of verses tonight that already make that clear. Well, Samuel understands the gravity of what God has said to him, and not surprisingly, he's going to be a little hesitant to share this with Eli. You know, he, he's the young man, and Eli's the, the, old, the, the aged um, judge priest there at the tabernacle. Verse 15 says it this way, Samuel lay until the morning, laid awake, I'm sure, uh, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord tabernacle. Evidently, that was part of his ministry there. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. I'm sure he didn't want to upset Eli. He, this would be a hard thing to go and say, hey, I've got this message from God and it's about you. <laughs> that would not be an easy thing for a young man. Well, Eli has a sense of what this is all about. Um, God, no doubt, gave him this sense. And so he approaches Samuel and says, Samuel, hey, uh, what did God tell you? <laughs> God called out to you three times and I encourage you to respond to God. No doubt God told you something. Hey, lay it on me. What did God tell you? Verse 16 says, Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here, I, here am I. Eli, he, Eli, said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? What did God say? I pray thee, hide it not from me. Don't keep it from me. Uh, God, do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. So you know, Eli says to Samuel, tell me everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, and you know he's pronouncing a curse, basically a conditional curse, right? If you don't tell me everything that God said, I, I pronounce that everything that God said happened to me happened to you. Now, did he have the authority to pronounce that? We could debate that. We won't take time to do that tonight, but that's the idea. Verse 18, Samuel, he tells Eli everything that God had said. and No doubt he understood that God wanted him to know this, but also to, to pass it along to Eli to reiterate what the man of God had said in the last chapter. Verse 18, Samuel told him every what? 
every whit, every little bit of it, every whit, and hid nothing from him. That could not have been easy. And Brother Ray, he, he must have looked to the Lord for grace to do that. This could not have been easy. Young man delivering difficult news to the older man. Could not have been easy. Yet he could do it with God's help. Uh, Eli, in the next part of verse 18, responds with a good, wonderful, humble submission to God's judgment. I believe that's what we see here. Next part of verse 18, he said, Eli said, uh, well, it is, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Well, that's, that's a good answer. He's, he's, he's not, you know, crying out against the Lord or, you know, being negative or uh, being angry. He just submits himself and says, well, that's what God said. Uh, let him do what, what he thinks is good. Brother Art, that, that's, a, that's a humble submission. He couldn't have liked what he heard, but he understood that it came from God. And I think it's implied that he understood that it was deserved. And so he just, he just submits himself to the Lord. And uh, in that, there's some, uh, maybe some repentance is implied uh, maybe some faith here is, and, and, and faithful repentance is implied. There's a, at least a submission to God's will uh, with perhaps some repentance being implied. And so Samuel has met the Lord. God has graciously come and, and called Samuel, literally calling out to him, and, and started to reveal himself to Samuel in response to Samuel humbly presenting himself to the Lord. The Lord initiates this prophetic ministry uh, in Samuel's life. And, and Marilyn, I'll, I'll say again tonight, as much as Eli and his sons maybe were discouraging to us, think about how much more to the Lord, uh, we can see here that God always has his man. And, and he's right there, and, and God calls out to him, and... Here's Eli, uh, here's Samuel, here's Samuel, um, answering the Lord, receiving God's message, and delivering God's message. It seems like perhaps Eli's been humbled, maybe repented here as well. That's good. Uh, that's good. That would be, of course, Brother Ray, the Lord's hope in, in calling a prophet to deliver a message, right? Uh, God's desire, normally at least, in, in calling a prophet to deliver a warning of judgment would be not just to deliver the message, but to encourage a response to the message, right? God didn't want us just to hear the gospel. He wanted us to respond to the gospel, right? And not any good just to know it. You have to respond to it. And so God has used Samuel. Uh, Samuel's taken the message, gone to Eli, given the message, Verse 18 implies, I think, there's been a, there's been a good godly response. Well, that's, that's good. That, that's good. God's called his man here, and you can see that the, the, the earliest day or so of his ministry uh, being used by God, as I think we could say God desires. Uh, and Samuel's blessed for this. He, he's blessed for his faithfulness to God. Uh, his responding to God and receiving God's message and faithfully giving it. And uh, the Lord blesses him. Verse 19, Bible says, and Samuel grew. Well, he's a young man. I, I think it means physically, but more importantly, no doubt, it means spiritually also. Uh, the Bible says, and the Lord was with him. 
The Lord was with him. How would he grow spiritually? Well, the Lord was with him. The Lord was there, present in his life, uh, not indwelling him like we're indwelt today. The Holy Spirit hadn't been sent yet uh, to indwell people the way we are, but the Lord, while not in him, was with him, present there in his life, uh, encouraging him, encouraging his growth, overseeing his development uh, physically and spiritually. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Um, and the last part here refers to Samuel, what Samuel's doing as opposed to the Lord's action. Uh, it says, and did, none of, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Zach, who's doing the acting there? Uh, who, who's not letting whose words? How do you understand that? <laughs> who, whose words are we talking about here? Well, I think, I think it's God's words, actually. Um, I think it's God's words. Um, did let none of his words fall to the ground. Do you, do you understand it as Samuel's words that God, God didn't let his words fall to the ground? Like maybe they were prayers and the Lord, Lord didn't let them go unanswered. I think that, that's a possibility, but uh, grammatically, grammatically, it would seem to be more the case that this is Samuel uh, responding to the Lord being present in his life and growing him spiritually, uh, it, it would seem to be the case that it would be more technically correct to say that uh, as, as Samuel has received God's words, now he's going to have a prophetic ministry, and so he'll receive words from God, but they also would have had a portion uh, of the Old Testament written down at, at this point. So he had the written words of God, some of them, and he had words of God that he received uh, prophetically, uh, as prophet, um, as a prophet, he could receive God's words and, and treat them as the, the precious, valuable thing they are and handle them with care and react to them in the way that, that God called him to, the way that God led him to. Or he could be sloppy, right? He could, he could see, oh yeah, I see God said Moses wrote this down over here. Sure, that's fine, okay. And God said some things to me about Eli, whatever, okay. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. I believe what's being, what's being shown here is that Samuel took great care with God's words. He did not let them just fall to the ground uh, as, as something to be discarded without much thought, but rather took them and held on to them and treated them as the valuable, precious thing uh, that they were, something to be valued and honored and obeyed, uh, obedience is probably implied here also. So this is an evidence of God working in his life. May I, may I ask you a question tonight? Do you value God's words? Or how much do you value God's words? Do, do you value them greatly? Um, do you value them greatly? Why do we view them as, Brother Ray, I have a lot of books in my office. I like them. I have even more electronic books. I don't like them as much, but I like the convenience of them. Do you feel the same way? I, I love a traditional book. The, the value uh, of, uh, or the, the convenience of electronic books is wonderful, but there's, there's still something about a printed book, right? There's still something about a printed Bible. I, I like to have that. I have, I have hundreds of books, and I, I value them, but there's something about the Word of God it doesn't even compare, right? The way you view, the way you value the Bible versus all the other books that you have, even if you value them a lot, there's just no comparison, right? 
the heart you have for God's words versus the words of a man, even if the words of the man are, are good and even great, um, you, have a, you have a deep abiding appreciation for God's words, uh, the value of them, that is, it's just supernatural, right? There's no way to explain that apart from God working in your heart, in your mind, to give you this sense of the value and worth of God's words. It's, it's not natural. It's supernatural. How, 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 do you, how much do you value God's words? How much do you value them? Are they the most precious thing that you have? Um, Lord, help us to value your words more than anything. Uh, Samuel, valued, Samuel valued them greatly. And I, I believe the idea here is that this is, this is part of the function of God just being present in his life imparting his words, but, but encouraging a, a deep abiding appreciation for them. Well, no doubt Samuel could see that God was present in his life. And the people, the people saw that too. They could see that God was working uh, in Samuel's life. They perceived that he'd been called as a prophet. See verse 20. The Bible says, And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a what? To be a what? Prophet of the Lord. They could see that. It was exciting for them to see that uh, God is, and as, as much as those last two guys, the two sons, uh, and their dad, you know, they discouraged the people and caused all kinds of problems and maybe even led the Lord to temporarily withdraw from the tabernacle. I think that might be the case. Um, they could see that the Lord had brought a new man on the scene and that this was good. Uh, and no doubt they, they were encouraged by this. They were encouraged. Uh, yep, there was bad stuff going on, but, but God is on the scene and he's given us a new man and he's working in the life of that man to grow him and develop him and, and they were encouraged by this. All, the, all Israel from Dan and the north to Beersheba in the south. Everybody, everybody could see that God was at work. Uh, sometimes can, you feel like you can just see God's at work. You see God at work in someone's life. You can see God at work in someone's trial. Uh, you can see God at work in a, in a church. You, you just know sometimes that God is at work. And don't, don't forget to be encouraged by that, please. There's too much discouragement or potential for discouragement in the world today. Choose to see God at work and be greatly, uh, be greatly encouraged by that. Um, I posted online the other night, um, Fairhaven Baptist College out in Indiana. They, they put on a play. You can just watch it online. It was uh, The Hiding Place, the story of Corey Tembum. It's worth watching. It, it runs for about an hour and a half, I think, with the intermission in there. It's, it's very well done. And um, you remember the story, of course. Um, they were, Cory Tenboom and her family were hiding Jews from the Nazis in Amsterdam uh, early in World War II. And eventually they were found out and they were arrested and shuttled off to work camps and concentration camps. And uh, Cory Tenboom and her sister, Betsy, remember Betsy, right? Uh, Betsy was really the, the spiritual power of the family, it seems. 
uh, they found themselves in just one of the worst possible settings. I mean, everything you can picture in a, a World War II German concentration camp, that's, that's where they found themselves. Um, and Corey struggled with that. She really struggled with that. She wondered God, why God would allow that. She had a great faith in the Lord. She knew she was saved and she knew God was at work, but uh, Betsy didn't seem to struggle with it. And it was an amazing thing for people to see that. Um, she, she was thankful for um, the lice in their bunkhouse that covered them because she could see that that was protecting them from potential attack by some guards who had improper thoughts. She was thankful that while they didn't have all the food they wanted, they had food. She was thankful that maybe that didn't have all of their Bible, they had at least some of their Bible. She was thankful that um, they were packed in so tightly into the bunkhouse at night that if she began to give a testimony or to read the Bible, everybody heard it because they were packed together so tightly. Um, and she just, she chose to be encouraged at every little opportunity that she saw in the midst of all that horror, she chose to see opportunity and she chose to see God at work in, 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 in things that others might just complain about. She, she chose to see opportunity and God's protection as well, a ministry opportunities paired with God's protection. Um, Betsy died in that concentration camp, but not before God used her greatly. And uh, after she died, people kind of looked to Corey as, as the one that would kind of take over that ministry in the camp. And she did. She led people to Christ there the same way Betsy did and, and uh, held ladies' Bible studies uh, there in that camp. And eventually she was released. And, of course, you know, she went on to write books about her experiences and, and share the story. We think of the story being mostly about Corey, but it's, it's really largely about Betsy's faith and her example of faith. Just seeing God at work in everything, we would look at something like that and say, that's horrible. She saw God at work and God creating opportunities and God's protection. These people, no doubt, <laughs> from, from Dan to Beersheba, it, it had been a hard time. The stuff going on at, the, at the, temp, the tabernacle was horrible and they had been discouraged, but now they see God at work, uh, a great opportunity. Uh, and perhaps they see that God's allowed certain things for a time to, to wake them up, to stir them up, and, and, and to now see and be encouraged by this new man on the scene. Well, verse 21 is what we saw when we began, and we're done. Verse 21, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. He appeared, that's where the tabernacle is. And I do think that implies that he, he had departed in response to the sin for a time. I don't think it absolutely demands that. Lord, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it implies that. In response to the sin, he had departed temporarily, uh, but he's, he's returned to the Holy of Holies above the mercy seat. Uh, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Sam, Samuel uh, in Shiloh uh, by the word of the Lord. So. God continued to reveal himself to Samuel uh, by the word of the Lord. I think that implies both the written words that had already been inscripturated as well as those words that had been imparted to Samuel prophetically by the Lord very personally. By the way, that language there is the opposite of what we saw in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. That's 
the explanation for why I didn't understand God was reaching out to him. Now God has graciously pursued him and pursued him and pursued him and taken up residence in his life in response to his answering God's call and presenting himself as a servant. Uh, now he knows the Lord. <laughs> the Lord appeared to him and continued to reveal himself to Samuel, no doubt in a response to his responding to the Lord, presenting himself as a servant, being faithful to receive God's words and to share God's words. This would have been a great encouragement to Samuel, no doubt, and a great encouragement to the people from Dan even to Beersheba, from the north to the south. God is entering into the equation to correct the problems uh, and to encourage uh, his man and the people. God can do that, amen? God can do that. He can enter into, the situa into difficult situations and change them, just like that, Marilyn, can't he? He can enter into really big trials and, and turn a big trial into a big blessing. He can enter into a situation where, you know, there's just a huge need and you don't know how it's going to be answered. And then there's God. He just enters into the equation and, and meets the need. Lord, help us to have faith that you're a God who is still able to do that. You're a God who's still able to do that. I'm going to pray quickly. We're going to sing, and then we'll, uh, we'll have our prayer time. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you tonight for your words. Thank you for uh, the graciousness, uh, that your grace that we see in your calling of Samuel. Lord, thank you for Samuel's example of responding, receiving counsel, teaching regarding you, and responding according to that teaching presenting himself as a humble servant and, and getting busy right away and yielding himself to you and being used of you just exactly as you desire. Lord, I pray tonight that you help each of us just to continue presenting ourselves as a humble servant. Lord, desiring to be used of you any way that you want. Lord, we understand tonight that can mean different things at different stages of our life. That's okay. Father, give us a heart to just stay available to you no matter what stage of life we find ourselves in. Lord, desiring to love you and to love others uh, in deed and truth. And Lord, to be uh, willing to be used of you any way that you desire all the way home to heaven. Father, I pray that be an encouragement to us tonight and to others around us. Lord, I pray tonight that as we think about all the trials that we face in this world today that we would choose to look at those trials as opportunities, Lord, for you to demonstrate your power and grace in our lives. And Lord, um, that we would be reminded that in those trials we can grow and please you and be used greatly by you for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you tonight. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.